six months of paid parental leave, it's really important that it's paid, um, is protective of mom's mental health, mom's physical health, and baby's physical health. And some of that is because mom is better able to nurse um, if she chooses to. You know, the onus shouldn't have to be on the private sector to fix this stuff, but I do believe that if we go in individually and we ask for change in our own workplaces and we bring them along, it will ultimately ripple out to our communities and to our greater industries and hopefully eventually set a new norm that our government will respond to. We need to do everything we can to really scaffold the parents upon return to work to get her to at least that point of six months. Know that it's going to be rocky and that's okay. Um, do not discount her. Do not assume that she does not want to work or take on a project. Always give her the option. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adeshio, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. I'm your podcast manager, Kristen Baffo, and with us today is CEO and founder of Mother Honestly, Blessing Edition. And with us is our special guest, Lauren Smith Brody, author and founder of The Fifth Trimester. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hello, Lauren. It's Hi, been Lauren. yeah. You know we've um, we've kind of stalked each other back and forth on, on Instagram and in social media. So it's really nice to hear your voice in person. Oh, well, not in person, but. <laughs> So we've been intrigued by your work at the fifth trimester, and I think you and I had made um, a brief contact when I had my son um, last year, and I had ordered I ordered your book uh, off of Amazon, and I was just intrigued by the um, you know the profound information that was in there and how that truly prepared women um, that that are returning back into the workforce after having a baby. Um, so I wanted to like just. First of all, you know, get to know you a little bit. Who is Lauren, and how did you come about um, the fifth trimester? Sure, I have to say, I was intrigued by your by your son's chubby cheeks. He has the cutest cheeks I've ever seen. <laughs> He's so chubby. Oh my god, he's a cutie. Love. He's so cute. Thank um, you. And I love and I love what you're doing in the community that you're building as well. Um, so I was for many years a magazine editor. Um, I was at Glamour magazine when I had both of my sons, who are now seven and ten years old. I live in New York. Um, I was ill-prepared, not just to have a baby, but to have a baby and be a working mom. And I was surrounded by women. I worked in a largely female office, really supportive environment, have a husband who was in his medical training at the time, so he was really busy, but um, is absolutely my partner in everything. Had parents who could come to town on a moment's notice if they needed to, and yet it was still almost impossibly hard when I went back to work. I was lucky because I was in a position of, um, of some authority. I was an executive at that point. And so I found I could be probably a little bit more transparent than I might have been had I had my children a little bit younger or earlier in my career. And so I was really open and honest about how hard it was going back to work. And I found that instead of feeling like it was embarrassing to be that way, that it actually pretty quickly opened other people up about their personal lives and made our work 
stronger and better um, collectively as a team. And so I kind of, I, you know, it took me a few years after that. I had my second son before I was ready to make the leap out of corporate America and start my own business. But I decided to do some research to look beyond my own experience um, based on the idea that I, I believed there was this missing trimester. I knew there were the first three that were pregnancy. The fourth was the newborn phase, uh, which I learned about from the happiest baby on the block. And then there was this fifth, which was actually for mom. And in the United States, without any paid parental leave, women are going back to work far sooner than they do in the rest of the world. And before, medically even, they are physically or emotionally necessarily ready to be there. And yet it's the reality of the dual income family in America right now. And Correct. so if you have to be there, how do you do it? So I decided to do a lot of research. I looked beyond my own experience. I surveyed more than 700 moms. I did deep interviews with 100 more, like an hour-long interview each, to get all approaches to, you know, hourly wage working jobs and moms who were executives and running their own businesses or in Fortune 500 companies or mid-level managers and working for the man, um, as well as moms who were single moms, adoptive moms, um, moms who were, you know, had been surrogates, all kinds of approaches to, to motherhood and career. And I was able to marry all of that data and see what we had in common and to see what our common obstacles were and our common successes and to figure out, you know, the people who, who made it through and stayed in their career and felt satisfied. I don't like to use the word happy, but satisfied with the way their lives were going. What did they have supporting them? And so now I turn that all into a book called The Fifth Trimester. Um, which came out a couple years ago on hardback and last spring in paperback. And then since then, I've launched a business. So I now speak primarily. I go in and do speaking engagements, both for community groups and for corporate audiences to understand sort of best practices around the return to work. Um, and I do some consulting and I do, I do some coaching contracts as well, where people, businesses hire me as a consultant who can coach individuals who are coming back to work after baby. And it is it is a dream job. I absolutely love everything I'm doing, and I feel so lucky to be able to do it. That's that's amazing. And um, and so with your work with the fifth trimester, how many women um have been able to? I know you have a you you know you have a great following on your and, and I've been on your website, and it's just amazing the resources um that that are available. But um, how many moms have, you know, how many moms have come back to you saying they, these really helped them? Um, <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> b- b- besides me. <laughs> a friend of mine the other day said I was sharing with her a message that I had gotten from um, from someone, a woman I didn't know, but who had read the book and was writing in to say just how much it had helped her negotiate for what she needed in the workplace to make this all feasible. And I shared it with my friend. She was like, you need to put those on Instagram. You do. And I started to a little bit, but I get, you know, at least a few every day. And it's so gratifying because really all I'm all I'm doing is I'm not the expert, but I'm able to pull together a lot of actual medical experts and, you know, PhDs in, you know, sleep um, studies, like kind of thing to help people with sleep deprivation and sociologists and work work psychologists and people who who know more about each area that you know is a challenge for moms than I do but I've become kind of amazingly an expert in in that exact time of returning to work so but all I'm really doing is helping the me that existed 10 years ago Um, so when I hear even from one woman that it's made a difference or she's been able to stick with her career and we know that 30% of professional women drop out of the workforce within the first year of having a child. Absolutely. That's not, that's not to go like start their own company. That's like they drop out because childcare is too expensive. It's not, you know, the hours aren't working for them. 
Um, and so if one woman was able to say in her career, which is the work that I've done, I feel like that would have been truly worth it, but it's, it's, it's immeasurable. I mean, I speak in, I've spoken, I now go and do corporate speaking, so it's kind of hard for me to measure how many people have taken my message, but, you know, I've spoken at conventions of 12,000 women, which is wild. I, I used to be in my old career, I was like the editor, you know, a lot of editors will go on TV and stuff. and. I I was always the person who was butt in chair at the office, like, you know, not doing any of those sort of outward facing things because I love, I'm an editor and a writer at heart, and I just love the wordplay of that, and I was kind of shy about it all. Well, go ahead, like, go figure it. Now, as soon as I have something that is my own message that I feel can do some good in the world, like, this is, I was on TV yesterday, I did a speaking engagement yesterday, this has become my new life, and it's it's weird how comfortable it is uh, <laughs> when it's something you really believe in. Absolutely. And and what challenges have you, I mean, so now that you kind of, you know, you're working with businesses, you're working directly mm-hmm. with moms and, um, you know, you're speaking in front of various audiences, what specific challenges have come back to you um, that women face, you know, when they try to go back to work or when they when yeah. they're back at work? What are the main challenges? And is there anything from your um, discussions with your corporate folks on what companies are doing to really breach that gap? Well, it's interesting. I've learned, actually, and, and, you know, a lot of what I talk about is mom guilt, and I think it, it's kind of a fallacy, and that, you know, it's better to actually express, like, I'm angry, this doesn't seem fair, than to take it all on yourself. And so, a lot of what I tell moms is, first of all, don't blame yourself. In You know, no other place in the world would you have to ad hoc negotiate this stuff for yourself. So, please do not be upset if it's hard. It makes sense that it's hard. You're back at work before, you know, before doctors and the research would tell you it's actually good to be. So if it's hard, that makes sense. And then I tell them, but also don't blame your boss and don't blame um, your company and don't blame your industry even, if it's an industry that's not very supportive of women. But do know that if you go in and you ask for accommodations, if you ask for flexibility, you are actually improving your company by doing that. And so take that with you um, to empower you a little bit as you go into those conversations. And that can be really helpful. what women, the challenges that they face, so primarily they're just really, really sleep deprived. The women who I surveyed were not sleeping um, a full night's sleep, which I defined for mom as seven hours, which is not even that much. But I didn't look at like, when was your baby sleeping through the night? I looked at when was your baby sleeping enough to give you seven hours of sleep? And that was at the seven month mark postpartum. I also asked women when they felt emotionally back to normal and when they felt physically back to normal, which is not to say back in their pre-pregnancy genes, but when they felt comfortable in their skin again. And both of those numbers were at just about the six-month mark, which is also what the research shows us. Six months of paid parental leave, it's really important that it's paid, um, Mm -hmm. is protective of mom's mental health, mom's physical health, and baby's physical health. And some of that is because mom is better able to nurse um, if she chooses to. So there are so many things that companies can do. First of all, they can do everything that they possibly can to get those moms as close to six months of paid leave as possible, and dads too. It's really important that these um, parental leave policies be be gender neutral and be available for all approaches to motherhood, including and fatherhood, including adoption. Um, so that's one thing. But you know, the onus shouldn't have to be on the private sector to fix this stuff. But I do believe that if we go in individually and we ask for change in our own workplaces and we bring them along, it will ultimately ripple out to our communities and to our greater industries and hopefully eventually set a new norm 
that our government will respond to and will create some kind of paid family leave. Um, we've seen it in a few states now. We've seen it be successful. We've seen it be economically viable. And those states are going to be test subjects for the rest of the country. Um, so other things that companies can do is if you can't get to six months, and realistically, it's very hard to afford to do as a private company, you need to do everything you can to really scaffold the parent upon return to work to get her to at least that point of six months. Know that it's going to be rocky, and that's okay. Um, do not discount her. Do not assume that she does not want to work or take on a project. Always give her the option. Um, be cognizant of things that cut into beginning of the day and the end of the day, meetings that start too late, things that you know sort of exhibit bias against parents that we might not even realize that we have. Um, provide really not just um, not just kind of lovely lactation support in terms of like a, a pretty pretty room that's decorated, but accessible lactation support. It doesn't have to be fancy. It does need a refrigerator. It does need to be close by so that you don't have to take two different elevators to get there three times a day. Um, all of the logistics around pumping are actually something that um, businesses can control for. Like you can provide a sink, you can provide a refrigerator and cut down the time that is wasted. And also the ability to work while you pump is huge for moms. Um, not everybody is able to, and I don't, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say like you must work while you pump, but I know I found, and a lot of the mothers who I've interviewed, found it to be actually like quite helpful, solid time to get through emails, get stuff done. And then what I always say is don't just get the work done. So ask for, you know, Wi-Fi or whatever you need, a, a table where you're pumping. Um, but also when you come out of that pumping room, <laughs> you brag a little bit, say, you know, not only did I just bump, pump, but I also got all this work done and you'll be doing three jobs at once. You'll be doing, be making milk for your baby. You will be, and, and by the way, like I'm very much that is best, like nurse or donut, work, whatever works for you, but you should have the option if you want it. So you're doing three jobs. One is making milk for your baby. One is doing your work at work. And the third is you will be shifting your workplace culture for the better. And this is something that new moms need to come back to work realizing the benefits of their motherhood. You're stronger in so many ways. Um, and I can enumerate them for you if you want. But, but one really key um, thing to note is even if you feel weak, if you exhibit that weakness, if you show people, hey, this is hard, what you're saying is this is a problem that needs solving. And generally, people want to help you and want to solve it. They just have to see the problem. So you will be actually doing a service to your company if you are a little bit more transparent than you're comfortable being about being a parent. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you raise um, lots of great points, um, Lauren. Um, I, I think one thing that that definitely stands out to me um, from your from everything that you've been talking about is is the access to information. So a lot of yeah. these resources um, that you've mentioned and that that could potentially empower a mom or even a corporation is not readily available out there. There's a lot of you know news and information online around the cost of child care and how yeah. hard it is to be a mom but there's little help there's little resources and I think that's one of the things that I really love about you and your website and your book um, is that you actually have a section that says resources you know like yeah. here are some of the things that you can you can you can get some of the questions that you can ask um, but I think more importantly in the fifth trimester how can women cope I mean let's assume that your company doesn't and have these resources available to you. There's no pumping room. There's, you know, there's really nothing. And that's what we found in a lot of our community is that these resources are not available within the company. And yeah. so women literally go back 
to work and they're miserable. And no wonder 30% of them drop out immediately afterwards. And well, so it's important to educate yourself. Sorry to interrupt you, but it is important to educate yourself about what you are legally entitled to. And so actually, if there isn't a pumping space for you or there isn't anything other than a bathroom to pump in, that's illegal. As long as you are not um, exempt from FLSA, um, which uh, most workers are, are going are gonna to qualify for this. And there are stronger laws available even um, state by state. If you look on, there's a website called abetterbalance.org mm-hmm. okay. that lists state by state exactly what accommodations you're entitled to. And some of this stuff gets into the gray murky area of, is it pregnancy discrimination? You know, is it is it discrimination against women? And often there's an argument to be made that it's very compelling to employers. And I wouldn't go into it thinking like you're discriminating against me on purpose. Okay. Some of it is really um, unconscious bias. Uh, but go into I would say the best thing you can do is just ask for exactly what you need because. If you ask for it in a way that sounds like it is mutually beneficial, this is not just to serve me, this is to make our workplace a more welcoming place for women in general, for parents in general. And by the way, we talk to some blue in the face about this, but you know, when you keep women in the workplace, when you retain them, that pays off eventually, like pretty quickly, because women in leadership have been shown to increase companies' profits. If we had um, uh, equity, if we had equality for women and men in the workplace at higher executive levels across our country, it would increase the United States GDP by like 20-something percent. Uh, There's all kinds of arguments that you can make to show that it's a good decision, but just go into those conversations knowing you aren't just doing this for you because you have a personal need. You're doing this because this is actually what's needed by human beings to be able to continue supporting our economy and our families at the same time. And so try to take yourself out of it a little bit, but also don't go in just asking for something. Go in with a plan for how it can work. So don't go in guns blazing saying like, I need a pumping room. Say, (laughs) I need need a pumping room. And here are some ideas for, for where the space can come from here or how we can take turns or go in showing that you have there's a generosity of spirit to the ask that shows that this is not just about, you know, your quote unquote selfish need. And that really engages people in a way that gets it done. Absolutely. Um, I think I think you I think that's a great point to to kind of have a plan. And um and your book um talks a lot about, you know, I think one of the things that I love about your book is just again, not only the resources, but how to really, the strategies and, you know, the tips and the, and, and how you can really set yourself up for success um, as a working parent um, that recently as a kid, um, because I know when, when I had, I had my son, um, I had, luckily I had about four, four to five months of maternity leave, which, you know, which, you know, ideally we would want six, Um, but you know, I think four months of paid maternity leave, I would take that. Um, (laughs) And and the fact that, you know, my husband was also able to get two months of of paid parental leave. And that was huge. And and that's something that, you know, as we continue to fight for, you know, paid parental leave in this country, I think making it a, not a one-sided story of, oh, it's Mm -hmm. for women, but I think also making it fair and equitable also for men, um, I think I think is 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 going to be remarkable in how we really tackle this, um, you know, whole parental leave situation. Because my husband was able to stay home with our son, so what we did was target it out. I did my four months, and 
and he was able mm-hmm. to do it two months right after. And that so exactly what I recommend to people. That's, <laughs> that's great. That's so great that you did it that way. Yeah. So that was you the know, way, and everything. and I learned that from reading yeah. your book on just oh, you know good. thinking of. <laughs> a strategy that works for you, you know, for your yeah. unique situation. And we knew that we didn't want our, we didn't want a stranger, you know, taking care of our son before he was yeah. six months old. And so we decided that, you know, we would create that buffer for six months where I was able to do four months and my husband was able yeah. to do two months. And I know yeah. not everybody has that luxury, but I think just even sitting down and reading that book and really understanding how you can really strategize around, yeah. you know, your maternity or your parental leave is definitely going to be a way to set yourself up for success, <laughs> if definitely. you will. And yeah. let me, can, I, can I explain quickly why it's so important that dads take some leave? So we see that on average, women take 8.5 weeks of the FMLA, FMLA time, that, which is unpaid, that they're entitled to. Men tend to take more like one to two weeks. And it is, it, it is caused by, um, you know, you called the leave that you guys had a luxury. It should be a basic human right. So it is um, the reason that men take less is not just that we have this cultural expectation that women handle things in the home, but also because we have a pay gap. Men tend to make more money in this country. Men do make more money in this country. And so when you as a couple are looking at who can stay home with the baby, who can afford to do that, more often than not, it's mom. And so what happens is that perpetuates the wage gap because dad is not just sending a message in the home that, hey, my, my work is worth more, but he goes back to his office or his workplace, and that's the message that is that is sent pretty clearly there, too. Like, yeah, my, my wife's home with the baby. I'm here because my, my work is important. My work is actually worth more than her work. So it perpetuates the wage gap. And then... The other thing that happens is mom, and this is this is not to blame the victims because you know we all we come into these marriages, most of us wanting to be truly to be partners. Correct. But if mom is mom is home um, with the baby, learning everything on the job, you become just as you became an expert in your job, you become an expert in that time at home with baby. You become really good at these things. <laughs> and then when you go back to work, if you're the expert and dad doesn't know how to do it, when you both get home at the end of the day, and this is assuming sort of a traditional workday structure, but it can apply really in any situation, guess who knows how to do everything? You. you. Guess who also wants it done her way? You. So, so even though dad usually wants to be super involved, he finds that he's somewhat shut out and he can't. So what you gave your husband and your children in doing that is – is gift of knowledge and of capability and of your seeing that like he could handle it and your kids learning to trust him and it's such a gift there's actually studies that show that um two things when dad takes um, paternity leave for every month of paternity leave a father takes the mom's earnings go up i can't remember if it's four or seven percent but it's some like that's amazing increase and then also there's a study of dad's with teenagers and dads who took parental leave have actually better relationships with their teenage children like that many years later wow um, which i find really compelling that is significant and and uh, you know i i, I joke a lot because you know when my husband took the parental leave I, I, I was literally laughing i'm like there is no way you're going to survive you know like <laughs> you are definitely yeah. going to do you know be calling for help i mean he never like texted me like, Amazing. you know, like yeah. he, he never texted me. I mean, 
baby's, you know, breast milk was there for him to like warm up and change diapers and, you know, and they, they had a good relationship. And I actually was like, okay, why is nobody calling me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they should? Um, but I mean, I think it goes back to really just empowering our, our village. And, and I think as women, we don't, you know, like you rightfully said, we become experts and all of a sudden it needs to be done our way. And we mm-hmm. forget that we're not empowering the village around us. And it, it only, it even goes for kids. My, my daughter is 10 years old and even mm-hmm. having to just empower her to do things so that I don't have to be the one loading the dishwasher I don't have to be yeah. the one you know sweeping and mopping the floor these are things that yeah. she can do and I can give her that autonomy to do that and um, and so I think that's one of the reasons why I really appreciate the work you're doing Lauren is really just giving putting those tools and resources in the hands of women and really encouraging us to you know to to, to to do things differently and to navigate those challenges a little bit more strategically and not, you know, not following the norm that, you know, I I have to be the one doing everything when, you know, when we have, you know, we have our men, we have our kids, we have so many people that we're surrounded with that can also pick up the slack um, and and help us, um, you know, close this wage gap. I think that's what it, it comes down to is, you know, I think statistically we're seeing that women are, you know, dropping out of the workforce at the same rates that they were in 1985. And we have more yeah. degrees now, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're, we're more educated, we're more, um, you know, exposed. And yet we are dropping out at the same rate um, as, you know, 40, 40 years ago or 30 years ago. And that's that's just alarming. <laughs> if you, if you, if you and will. it's also we're setting we're setting like it or not, we are setting an example for the next generation. You Absolutely. Know, I, I, I often say when I give a talk, I say, you know, supporting moms in the workplace is good for women in leadership because you'll keep them in. Supporting moms in the workplace is great for dads because it gives them permission to talk about their parenthood. Supporting moms in the workplace is great for our kids, but not just because, like, we get to, you know, go home and be there and make their macaroni and cheese at night, but because we're actually raising the next generation. And this next generation of human beings will grow up to also be workers and also contribute to our economy. And so there's a real economic argument to be made for showing that it is possible to work productively and be a caring and um, available parent because you're going to raise kids who can do the same thing too one day. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lauren. Where can our listeners find you? Oh, absolutely. So I'm mostly on Instagram, which is just the fifth time. I love Instagram. It's I do. I'm so lazy about everything else. And then I do post on Twitter at Lauren S. Brody, S is for Smith. And, uh, and then my website is thefifthtrimester.com, and that's where you can find all my corporate information as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the Mother Honestly podcast. We truly Thank appreciate you. the work you're doing um, for moms around the world. And um, and I think we can all pick up your books on Amazon, right? Um, the Fifth yes. Trimester. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> and you. hopefully Thanks we can much. drag you out here to, to Detroit um, at some point. I would love that. <laughs> all right. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Mother Honestly podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, we urge that you go on and rate, review, and subscribe to the Mother Honestly podcast. Also follow us on Instagram. Yes. And if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, you can reach out to me, the podcast manager, Kristen Baffo, at Kristen at MotherHonestly.com. I'm so excited we have our own email. It makes us I feel know. legit. Well, see you guys when you rate, review, and subscribe to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.